from New Orleans, Louisiana, the Big Easy Baby, this is Radio Rotary. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People applying Rotary's motto of service above self. And today we are coming to you from the Rotary International Convention in New Orleans, Louisiana. We are broadcasting from the Cavernous Hall of Friendship in the Morial Convention Center. Join us for the next half hour as we talk to Rotarians from around the world about the great things they are doing to serve humanity. We're being joined by Elaine Lytle of the Como Janelle Rotary Club, Sydney, Australia, and she's going to tell us a little bit about uh, Rotarians for the Environment. Uh, Elaine, welcome to Radio Rotary. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So what is your group all about? Mostly we're an organization who connect up other projects on the environment and we try to help each other to make it work universally. And you've got members from all over the world? Every country. And um, what are you trying to tell the Rotarians here in New Orleans? I uh, see we have alternative fuel briquettes. Uh, they are sort of made of chopped wood, correct? That's right. And um, what other things are you trying to convince uh, Rotarians from around the world to uh, start in their own clubs? We're trying to look at especially things which help the environment, such as restoring mangrove swamps and uh, oyster leases and also recycling of all sorts of products from around the world. Our club recently sent 110 containers of recycled uh, hospital and furniture equipment. Well, that's very commendable. That's terrific. Well, I want to thank you very much for joining us and continue your great work, Elaine. Thank you. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. We're back at the Convention Center in New Orleans, Louisiana at the Rotary International big annual event. And I'm speaking with Astrid Yuby, who is a Norwegian Rotarian. And she has a very interesting display here booth. She is attending the uh, Rotary International Conference as single Rotarians. And being a single girl myself these days, I'm very curious about that, Astrid. Tell me a little bit about single Rotarians. It started actually in Chicago some years ago with Marlene De uh, Daniels. She became a widow and she understood it was quite difficult to be alone. It was very expensive. Everybody's bringing their spouses and that's wonderful. But when you come, there's nowhere where you can be so lonely. As you, mean, you mean at the convention itself, when you attend the convention alone as a Rotarian? Yeah. When you are at the convention to get with 20,000 people, you can be very much alone. That's why we have now tried to get many members in many countries and we can do things together. We visit each other, we're going to go on a cruise together, we have a, we're going to have the yearly meeting. And, I, and what do you mean the yearly meeting? This yearly meeting or a singles Rotarian yearly meeting? The single Rotarian's annual meeting to elect a new managing director and all the other directors and so on. Oh my goodness! And how long has this been? When was this founded? This was founded in Chicago and that was 2005. Okay, so okay, so relatively young, but how many members do you have? Oh, we don't have more than 300, I think, around the world. But uh, we are hoping to get more. And uh, we hope to be 
so friendly that we can join together when we got, come to convention. We can share rooms, share meals, and then it will be a little cheaper for us than traveling always alone. I say, do you, what plans do you have uh, at this convention in New Orleans, Louisiana? On the 24th, we are going to have a cruise on Louisiana, and, uh, with Louisiana on, on the Mississippi. That's right. Mississippi yeah, and this annual meeting, and then we'll see how many is coming here, what idea can we get to go for drinks, to meet other places, and today I'm actually already arranged for having dinner together with another single woman. Is it, what's the gender breakdown? Is it 50-50 men and women? Is it? Do you have any idea what the breakdown is? Yeah, about 50-50, I think, around the world. So I'm traveling a little to other clubs in Norway talking about this, but you know, they smile a little and they think it's a dating or check-in service, but it is. It's just for single Rotarians to join a group and attend uh, conventions and... But, le but let's be honest, it could be a place where you could meet somebody who has like philosophies. Of course they could be, but that could also happen other places. Wherever you are, you meet people and you can connect and find uh, things to talk about and then you enjoy things together, but it's not meant to be a dating service. On the contrary. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Miss Astor. This is fascinating. Fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Radio Rotary. Thank you, and have a nice day here. We're joined now by an old friend of Radio Rotary, uh, Tom Henderson of Shelterbox. Tom, always a pleasure to see you, and welcome to New Orleans. Yeah, good to see you, Jonah. No, really enjoying it. Got in town the other day. Managed to do a, a bit of touristy stuff for the first day, but you can see we've hit the ground running. Now remind uh, some listeners who uh, may have heard you last year or some new listeners, what exactly is a shelter box? Well, the clue's in the name. Uh, for, those, for those listening, it's probably best described as a, it's a big green box the size of two suitcases, uh, for 185 litres capacity for the te technocrats out there. Um, but it's, um, as I say, the clue's in the name, shelter in a box. Started 10 years ago, some of your listeners will be familiar with um, shelter box, used to support all over the world. Um, we've developed a tent a little bit more you can see over my shoulder now a little bit of a improvements as we do all the time new water purification in there but it's actually designed to take care of a family we say 10 people it's a family unit really we've had more than 10 people in it sometimes less of course um, but um, shelter warmth comfort dignity in a box shelter box. and for how long of a period of time Tom it's quite extensive isn't it yeah originally the idea was that uh, we'd go into a disaster we'd put people in these tents for four to six months and then of course you would hope the government would be taking care of them. But um, the, 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 we know about people living in our tent for well over three years in the Solomon Islands and even in Haiti now, sadly, we've been back recently to Haiti and uh, there's still people living in our tents 16 months later. So uh, designed for about six months but well over three years on occasions. Now your, your background, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't you an engineer? Well I've got, I'm an engineer, yeah, my marine engineer, my business card says marine consultant. So I'm an ex-Navy guy, retrained as an engineer, spent time in the old business underwater fixing things. So I'm a practical guy. That's the important thing. The practical guys can come up with practical solutions. And you know what's fascinating?
fascinating, Sarah, is how Tom came up with the idea for Shelter Box. Tom, share that with our listeners. Yeah, sure. And uh, I, I never get fed up with telling the story. It, uh, it actually started in front of the TV one evening, watching the news in my home. And uh, we all do it. You sit at home, you come home for a day's work, you put the TV on, you watch it. And at the corner of my eye on this evening, it was just before Christmas uh, 2000. And um, there's a news program, a disaster unfolding somewhere in the world. And I saw a truck arrive, and everyone's seen it. Ubiquitous truck arrived, and these guys started throwing loaves of bread onto the floor. I said to Jay, my wife, why are they doing that? Why don't they just hand the bread out? These people have lost everything. It's more dignified to hand the bread out than throw it on the floor. And that simple act just really upset me. And I thought, well, I can make a difference. And um, I literally finished my meal, went to my study, got a sheet of paper, and thought, what would I need in a disaster? Shelter, warmth, comfort, dignity. And dignity plays a great part in what we do because um, everything is top dollar. And if you're going to give stuff to people in distress, make sure it's the best kit that you can give them. Well, you certainly have made a difference, Tom, and let it be known to all our listeners out there, don't anybody ever think that one person cannot make a difference. Because Tom Henderson is living proof of that. Tom, shelter boxes, where have they been sent around the world for what kind of disasters? Well, we're 10 years into this now, and uh, it's a good question. It changes every day. By that I mean uh, in 10 short years, we've worked in 148 disasters. I'm reading off a crib board over there. 148 disasters and um, in 72 countries. Uh, the important thing is a million people, over a million people now in our tents in these countries. And as we speak, we're responding to a disaster in, in Colombia, and we've got a team still working in, in Haiti. And besides a tent which sleeps 10, of course, and the cooking utensils and the water for purification, you've got something special for children in those shelter boxes. Yeah, we have. We've got a children's pack. And one of the things in a disaster, your listeners will understand this, is that, um, you know, the mums and dads want to take care of all that practical stuff. But simply, the children, you give them a coloring book, some pens and pencils and crayons, just can sit them down in a quiet area so they can go about just, if you like, you know, quieting them down. It's those little things that make a huge difference. And, you know, you've been recognized by Rotarians around the world for the great work you've done here in Shelterbox. But there's one special lady in Britain who recognized you, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. Tell us about that. What is this honor, Tom? Well, this is uh, called the Order of the Officer of the British Empire. It's, uh, uh, it's a, an award given about by the Queen for services to the country. So it's, uh, it's called an OBE. It's an Officer of the British Empire. Empire, so uh, you can dine out on it when you're traveling around the world. Well deserved. Tom Henderson, always a pleasure to have you on Radio Rotary. And for people who are interested in helping your great work in supplying shelter for those in need around the world, uh, they can go to www.shelterbox.org, right? Yeah. yeah, they can. And Tom Henderson, a great pleasure. Sarah? Always a pleasure. And listen, Tom, I grew up down here, so I want you to have fun because you're in the big easy, baby. <laughs> Tom Henderson, thanks so much for joining us on Radio Rotary. Yeah, we'll do that. Thank you, guys. And we'll be back with more of our coverage from the 2011 Rotary International Convention from New Orleans, Louisiana, after these important messages. In 1985, while polio was paralyzing 1,000 children a day, Rotary International committed to a goal, a goal of ending polio worldwide. Very soon now, after contributing nearly $600 million and immunizing over 2 billion children, the goal be achieved. Eradicating polio worldwide. That is humanity in motion. That is Rotary.
For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Jettleson, Giordano, and Siegel. CPAPC is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions. The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. JGS is conveniently located on Route 211 in Middletown, New York. To learn more, please contact JGS at 845-692-9500 or visit them on the web at www.jgspc.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, your essential partner in business. What would you do if a friend, co-worker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V.com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver. Hudson Valley Talk Radio and online at HudsonValleyTalkRadio.com. We've been joined by Jim Elliott of Downers Grove, Illinois, and Jim is involved with something called Dive Heart and Rotary. Jim, what's all that about? Well, Dive Heart is a, a nonprofit, totally volunteer organization based in Downers Grove, but we help start adaptive scuba programs all over the world with the help of Rotarians. Uh, we've been to Australia, where Rotarians have helped start a program there, and uh, China and, uh, and, um, and Israel most recently. Actually, we had a piece that ran in the Rotarian magazine last year, and, and Rotarians from Israel came to the our, Mont- our booth at Montreal and, and started a program there. Now they help children with autism in Haifa. All right, so you're having people who are uh, possibly handicapped, either physical or maybe some mental disabilities, get into wetsuits, put on scuba gear, and dive under the water. Is that it? Absolutely. I, I, you know, my daughter's blind from birth, and I originally started this thinking it would just be a feel-good thing. We take Johnny in a wheelchair, make him Johnny the scuba diver, and it would help his confidence, independence, and self-esteem. And what we found is because it's inherently hyperbaric, and it's the only place in the world where you could do physical therapy in a zero-gravity environment, and when you add 100% oxygen, you could do O2 therapy, hyperbaric therapy, and physical therapy. Now we're finding it's, it's really powerful. We've had autistic kids who've gone from 90% special classes to 90% mainstream, and, and that's with traumatic brain injuries that will tell you it saved their life. Plus, we've after Montreal, I thought, you know, how can we grow Rotary and help people with disabilities on a community level? And we have a whole marketing program that is, is high-speed and low-drag, costs almost nothing, where we can build goodwill in the, on a community level, reach out to people with disabilities through Rotary Prospects, and grow Rotary membership at the same time. Well, that's terrific. You've got a, a multiple bases covered there. Now, I see you've got a website, diveheart.org, D-I-V-E-H-E-A-R-T.org. If people who are listening at home may have a family member who is disabled and want to get in touch with you, 
to have them enjoy the, the experience of underwater uh, swimming with uh, scuba gear, they can get through to you on that uh, website, diveheart.org? Absolutely. And every community has a pool, and that's where the heavy lifting is done. So it doesn't have to be a high-speed trip or anything expensive. We can do it on a community level. But yeah, diveheart.org, and, and, and all our contact information is there. And the people who are, are volunteering these are experienced scuba divers, so the, the potential new newbie scuba divers in safe hands, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I train instructors all over the world. Um, plus, people with disabilities don't have to really do anything. They have to breathe. They have to be able to equalize if they want to go deep. They don't have to go deep, though. And they, and they have to be able to communicate that they're okay, so they shake their head. Some people are inaudible, so they raise a finger or put down their hand to let us know that they're okay. We're the ones that, and that's what I do, is I train instructors and buddies all over the world. We're the ones that have to be really good and high speed, and, and, and that's what we do. Well, Jim Elliott of Downers Grove, Illinois, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary, and thank you for everything you do for the disabled through Dive Heart. Thank you. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. We're back at the International Rotary Convention in New Orleans, Louisiana. There are many, many exhibitors. There are people with a lot of humanitarian messages that um, apply to your local communities and also to global communities around the world. I'm talking to a lovely young woman. I'm going to let you uh, introduce yourself because I'm afraid I'll mispronounce your name. Hi, my name is Fong Kwok. And Fong, where are you from? I'm with um, UC Berkeley. Okay, and what are you doing at the convention? Um, we are here to promote um, ha, um, promoting how Rotarians can make Agent Orange history and that it's a humanitarian concern that we can all do something about. So it was a dioxin spray during the wartime at 50 times the concentration. And remind the listeners which war in particular. Oh, I'm sorry, the war in Vietnam. Okay. And the, the dioxin was sprayed at 50 times the concentration level over the land mass about the size of Massachusetts, and it's still having a large environmental and health impact in the country. Um, they estimate there's about 150,000 children still today with severe birth defects and deformities because of the chemical, and um, obviously a lot of um, severe environmental damage of just trying to, I think, uh, rebuild the land 35 years later. And how are you connected to a Rotary, are you connected to a Rotary Club and you're working in conjunction to help spread the word, to talk about this concern? Well, we just think Rotary um, would be a, an amazing partner on this issue. And so about a year ago, we started talking to various Rotary Clubs all across the state. Um, we've talked to over a dozen clubs now and we're happy to talk to many, many more. But, and here's a friend of yours, a colleague of yours who is a Rotarian, yeah. is that correct? And we spoke at his club in Oakland. In, in Oakland, California? California, and I'm speaking to Daniel. Mai. Daniel, where's your name badge? Uh, <laughs> then they give me one. Okay. All right. And you're a Rotarian from where exactly? Oakland, uh, California, number three. Okay. And you are involved in this initiative? Yes, I do. And tell tell me how you, how you got involved and why you're involved. Well, I got involved was because uh, when the, she uh, when Fung took her um, uh, colleague uh, Charles Bailey came to. Uh, our club and spoke about Agent Orange. I was uh, moved by that. Uh, as a matter of fact, on the next day, Charles Bailey and I uh, went to Vietnam together uh, on a different airplanes. It's just a pure coincidence. So uh, when I was in Vietnam, I haven't gone back 30 years since I left. So I was, uh, I saw uh, the first hand. Is that where you're originally from, Vietnam? Yes. Yes, I was born and raised in Vietnam, and uh, my hometown is Da Nang. 
So um, I was saw the first hand about the, the effect of Agent Orange. So when I came back, I was inspired uh, by what I saw, and uh, that's why I'm here today. And so as a Rotarian, you thought you could get on board and do something about it? Yes, yes, yes. And so far, it's been a productive uh, you know, experience because uh, we're right now, we're in the process of been to uh, a conference together in October in UC Berkeley, and it's going well. I understand there are also some documentary films about this topic? Yes, there's been about, uh, I'd say, seven or eight documentary films, and a lot of uh, press and uh, reports and photos um, taken by journalists all across the U.S. Okay, Bong, if somebody wanted to, one of our listeners, to get more information about this, where could they go on the Internet? MakeAgentOrangeHistory.org. Say that again. MakeAgentOrangeHistory.org. And tell me again, what do you do at Berkeley? Oh, well, you're UC Berkeley, right? Well, I'm working with UC Berkeley to um, organize the Agent Orange Conference in October. Um, but I'm working with Rotary Clubs all across the U.S. just to try to get Rotarians engaged in making Agent Orange history. Okay, well, thank you very much, and enjoy the conference. Thank you very much. We're joined now by Rotarian Carol Pandak of Illinois, and uh, she is a member not only of the Rotary staff, but also Rotarian herself, and we're going to be talking about something called Polio Plus. Carol Pandak, welcome to Radio Rotary. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, Polio Plus is rot Rotary's fight against polio, correct? That is correct, sir. Now, this is what confuses me. I'm of a certain age where I was a baby boomer. I remember getting those sugar cubes with the Salk and Sabin vaccine, and polio was pretty much eradicated in the United States. Why do we still have a fight against polio in the world? Well, you are correct. Polio was eradicated in the United States. The last case was in 1979, but we still have a problem in several countries in the developing world. So there is still an ongoing effort to eradicate polio. And what's Rotary doing about that? Uh, Rotary. Rotary is involved in providing resources for the global polio eradication effort, as well as doing advocacy work, social mobilization, raising awareness about why it's important to immunize your children against polio. And, of course, raising money to pay for the immunization of children around the world. That's right. We are in a our third fundraising campaign to raise $200 million in response to a $355 million challenge grant that we received from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, and we are about at $170-plus million in that effort. And that's Bill Gates of Microsoft fame who's going to be speaking at the convention this year. That's right. Mr. Gates will be speaking on May 24th in the afternoon, and we're very much looking forward to that. Now, behind you is an iron lung. And I probably haven't seen one of these since the 1950s when a young man from my Cub Scout uh, pack uh, contracted polio and ended up in an iron lung for a period of time. It is, the front of it looks like a commercial washing machine. It's the size of a small child and it's a very frightening contraption. Uh, this actually created a vacuum to allow the child to breathe, correct? That's right. So children either spent a short period of time in that, or some people actually lived in iron lungs their entire lives. It's, it's, a, it's a frightening prospect, and it's a rather frightening looking machine, but it, it was a lifesaver at the time. And we're trying to make sure that these things are just antiques and museums, right? But, but that's correct, but also in the developing world, uh, people don't have access to these iron lungs, and so if they have polio of the lungs, they, they will die. They do not, not have the option of the iron lung as we did in the United States. States. And if our listeners at home want to learn more, how would they find out about that? They should go to www.rotary.org backslash npolio. Say that one more time. www.rotary.org backslash npolio. Carol Pandak of Illinois, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary, and thank you for everything you do to end polio around the world. Thank you. Well, Sarah, I don't know about you, but I had a terrific time here in New Orleans. That's how you pronounce it, right? No. <laughs> 
Oh, I said, how do you pronounce it? Let's do it right. All right, let's do it right. Drum roll, please. It's New Orleans. Well, that's where I've had a terrific time. How about you? I've had a great time because you know what, Jonah? What? New Orleans is the big easy, baby. <laughs> well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to Radio Rotary. I hope you enjoyed our exclusive coverage of the uh, 2011 Rotary International Convention. And Sarah and I have had a great time bringing you the show, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Be sure to join us again next Friday morning at 9 for another edition of what, Sarah? Radio Rotary, right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Thanks, folks. New Paltz Rotary Club will be holding its 8th annual Scholarship Scramble Golf Tournament at Apple Greens Golf Course in Highland, New York on Friday, July 22nd. Registration is 8.30 in the morning. Tee off at 9.30. This is a two-man scramble. Cost is just 105 per person and includes 18 holes with a cart, lunch at the turn, an after-golfing celebration, and awarding of prizes from 3 to 6 p.m. at 36 Main Restaurant in New Paltz. Open bar, food, fun, prizes for all, and great Rotary Fellowship. Proceeds benefit $9,000 in scholarships given to local students. Don't forget the date, Friday, July 22nd. For more information, contact Mike Fairweather at 845-255-0116. Or email scholarshipscramble at verizon.net. That's 845-255-0116 or scholarshipscramble at verizon.net.